This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, on what caused him to walk out of the WWE during his first run. Logan Paul on that insane spot during the Royal Rumble with Ricochet. Samoa Joe talks about both of his WWE releases. And the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, doesn't think that you should have an opinion. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Fuck is up, everybody. Welcome. Come on in to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, here as always, bringing you the news, the highlights of the week in pro wrestling podcasts and shoot interviews. This is the second time, second fucking time I'm recording this. Uh, I accidentally fat finger deleted the first episode recording of this the whole episode just in the trash so let's uh take two on the whole thing because the show must go on uh so let's just go ahead and dive right into it we won't waste any time talking about our first story this week the american nightmare cody rhodes is making the media rounds this week after his big royal rumble win this past weekend Cody Rhodes, of course, got to point to the sign. He's going to WrestleMania. Pointing to the the WrestleMania goes Hollywood sign. Uh, There was a funny skit while he was doing his rounds. He also stopped by the bump this week. And there was a funny skit that they did. He was walking through the warehouse and he was like pointing up to the WrestleMania sign in the warehouse. And then he had a guy following him around with a fog machine. He called him Freddy Fog. That's the newest member of the Nightmare family, apparently. Uh, Cody Rhodes, though, yeah, making the rounds this week. He was also on After the Bell this week. Uh, But it was in this particular clip he was on the Impulsive podcast with Logan Paul. This after he threw Logan Paul's ass over the top rope out to the floor, eliminating him. Cody was on the show talking about his WWE career, talking all about the Royal Rumble, the comeback from the injury. Um, But it was in this particular clip where he was talking about his first run in the WWE. And, of course, we knew this as the dashing Cody Rhodes and the legacy. And then uh, Stardust moved on to the Stardust character, which Cody did not like. And he has never been shy about speaking out about his distaste for the Stardust character. And in this clip, he goes into great detail about the Stardust character and how it caused him to walk out of the WWE, not ask for his release, not be granted his release, not end his contract and see it out, but literally just, fuck you guys, I'm walking, I'm out of here. Check out this clip. But then they wanted me to do a gimmick, a character like Dustin's, which Goldust is enigmatic, very, depending on if you saw him in 1997, you have a different opinion on how we talk about him today, like envelope pushing, right? It, that didn't fit for me. Mm. 
And uh, I got some hope along the way where they thought like, okay, it'll be its own thing. It's, it'll be more superhero-like and I can make that fun. I love comics and that, that might be the way to go. And I tried to make the most of it and kids liked it and it was fun. And it was very, um, like, it, it was very like a kid's character. And it was like, cause it was, you know, my face was painted. It was like wearing a mask yeah. too. So I, I felt like I was at least behind something, but very, very dead inside. <laughs> very like the sad clown. Oh, no. <laughs> And I believe so much in the concept, especially because it was true. When I was here at 19 and you did something good, you got rewarded. You did something good, you got rewarded. These little rewards. This was one where I was doing it right. I'm making the most out of this is stupid. Mm. This is where I'm wearing a trash bag, bodysuit. Dustin's got this, he's just a master painter. I can barely do it. I'm just trying to hang on here. And we were, we were checking those boxes and they just didn't seem like they were going to get me out of it. And that was where... Uh, I, I just, and my dad had just passed away. So you have those real problems at home. You don't need any problems at work. And I, that's where I, they don't let anyone do this anymore because of how I did it. I, I handled it poorly, but it was what needed to be done. I just quit. I didn't, didn't even sign my release papers. They could probably still sue me today, but I, I work, <laughs> I, I, I work. I just, I just posted on social and uh, I very irresponsible. I should have done it differently. I did give them that best heads up. I did. You put in your two weeks. I, I I had one meeting two weeks before, and then I had one meeting in the last week saying, "Hey, I'm not coming back unless I'm telling the story of getting this off, mm. getting this," and it it didn't happen. And um, I'm at this Best Western, and I'm sitting in the rental car with Brandy. It's freezing because we were in Scranton. It's freezing, freezing, and we were outside. Uh, the bus a crew bus was right in front of us, and had the Rock, and it had the John Cena photo on it from the second Mania, the second. So. We've already seen this bus for over a year now. But this story was encompassing really two years. This story from the, the, the John versus Rock, the saga, and it was wonderful. But when you're on the card, not close to that, and at my level, I had been chipping away a little bit. I was brass rings here and there, brass rings here and there, but, but I hadn't broken through by any means. And I just got so tired of seeing their dang faces. And I loved John. He was my role model in the business. He's a rental car guy with me until he got a bus. But I, 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 as much as I did, I just was getting so upset. And I told her, I was like, I can't keep looking at the same guys. I can't. I got out the, the car and I threw a Yoo-Hoo glass bottle up against beautiful Dwayne Johnson's face there might've been somebody sleeping on this crew bus for all I knew and shattered everywhere. And I just, just stared at him. Like I wanted to fight this giant head on the side of this bus. And, um, I, I just, I remember telling her like, you, you know, you marry a, you marry a wrestler, you're marrying wrestling. And I, as, as, as bad as this is, this is part of it. I, yeah, I got a cautionary tale, not yeah, advice. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this out and getting it out for me ultimately would leave me. It would lead to me leaving was the only way I could get it out. It was pin up. It was pin up for too long. Um, and I, you never want to lower yourself in front of your beloved, in front of your wife. You know, you never, you know, that was one of the hardest things for me was being stardust in front of Brandy. That was rough. When Brandy married Cody Rhodes, he was the Intercontinental Champion. He was wrestling Randy Orton every night, and we were absolutely tearing the joint down. Next thing you know, I'm uh, running around in a space space outfit, you know, and trying to make the best of it. But I was very dead inside. And also, to this day, don't know why I was drinking a Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> 
I don't blame him, dude. I mean, it was a shit gimmick. He did the best he could with it. And he definitely rocked the character, you know. He put everything he had into that character, even though, as he said, he was lifeless behind it, you know. Uh, but he really gave it the old college try, you know. He didn't just suck at it. He was out there doing his cartwheels and fucking doing a little, you know. Uh, it was fun that he did that at WrestleMania last year with Seth Rollins, even though apparently he had put that into his, I don't know if it's actually in writing on the contract, but during his negotiation to come in, he said he never wants to even hear the name Stardust. Um, but yeah, it caused him to walk out. And it was also funny hearing he threw a bottle of Yoohoo at the rock's face on the side of the truck. Cody's an emotional guy. Uh, you know, he took that to heart. He took that very personally. It was a shit gimmick and he was busting his ass and he deserved better. You know, the dashing Cody Rhodes gimmick worked. That was a fun character. It was a mid-card character. It was intercontinental level, but he was doing well. He even said in this interview that there were at least once, if not twice, he was talked about being the guy that would get the money in the bank contract for the year. But one thing or another would happen and, and something would change and he ended up just getting the bone every single time. And he just kind of got to a point where he was fed up and he was embarrassed, he said, too, of even, you know, having Brandy see him walking around in this clown outfit, you know. So he got to the point like, hey, uh, we're either going to start a storyline where I get out of this character or I'm just not going to come back. And they were all like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh huh. Whatever you say. And dude just didn't come back. Uh, and he, the way that he did things was very smart. You know, he went out there, maybe not smart leaving the WWE the way he did, just walking out. But, you know, he went out there with a plan. He had his little list put together of guys that he wanted to work with on the independents. And he went out and he worked his ass off on the independents to rebuild his name. Because let's face it, Stardust was not a draw. So him going back out on the indies... You know, he probably wasn't commanding a huge paycheck. And it was his goal to work everywhere, literally everywhere he could. He said he worked in bowling alley, uh, you know, I'm sure many high school gyms across the nation. Every small level, independent, nobody promotion, all the way up to Ring of Honor and New Japan with the Bullet Club. Tying up with the Young Bucks was the smartest thing he could do. Once he was out there having all these dream matches on the independent level, tying up with the Young Bucks. And, of course, we all know where that led. You know, history was made as they all kind of made their move to AEW to start this company up. And it's almost it's weird to look back now, seeing Cody where he's at. It's almost like he belonged in WWE the whole time. That character feels out of place now in AEW. You know, when you think back, that main event level superstar character that he presents, I, I think that's why he wasn't getting over in AEW. I mean, he was over. He was a star, but he was like... The crowd was kind of turning on him, you know. They were over the whole, and he's like, I'm never going to turn babyface, and I'm never going to challenge for the title. And I feel like that created a situation where the fans just didn't want to really get behind him anymore. And he was out of place. He didn't fit in there. He's a superstar. And now that he's in WWE, it's kind of like he's always belonged there. It just feels right. He's just 
where he should be. And uh, I'm 100% behind him, man. I love this run that he's on right now. I mean, obviously, he's, what, two matches in, so I shouldn't say it right now. But, I, I mean, his whole entire WWE return and what they've done with him and how they're using him. And he's a star, and he belongs at the top of the card, and he will be that guy that ends Roman Reigns. You know, clearly they're setting that up. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And it's perfect storytelling. You know, they're getting to a point now where the bloodline's falling apart, right? Roman Reigns' dominance is falling apart. And he's that's going to cause him to be distracted and to lose confidence in himself and be upset. And, and just it's going to cause him to be distracted enough to where he's not going to be focusing. He's not going to have the family behind him. He's going to go in kind of in shambles. And Cody's going to scoop up that title from him and hopefully goddamn bring back the winged eagle. Been hearing rumors about that for a while now. Cody also, you know, set the record straight. I don't remember what show it was on. Like I said, he's he's done a lot of media rounds this week. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting to hear Cody talk about wanting to bring back the winged eagle title, and I really hope he does. But he made no bones about it. He's not saying he will. It's not a prediction. It's not a fact. It's just something that he thinks would probably be pretty cool. And look, he was the guy that brought back the classic Intercontinental title for a while. And we have heard rumors that WWE is looking at getting new belts made. I mean, I don't even know why you need new belts. Go Big Gold and Winged Eagle and call it a day. You don't need anything else. Those are the only two belts you need. I like this big blinged out WWE logo belt, actually. And I get why they have it. It's good. It looks good on the shoulder. It's good promotion and all that, but... Bring back that winged eagle for Cody's run, and I think he'll have a decent run. But uh, who knows? Time will tell. Maybe they'll give him the old bone ski, and Roman will continue to reign supreme. But what are your thoughts on Cody Rhodes' entire run? How do you think he's doing? Do you think he's destined for the main event championship win at WrestleMania? Or do you think it's still Roman's time? What do you want to see? What do you think you'll see? Leave it in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, Logan Paul had a very wrestling-centric episode of his podcast, Impulsive, this week, both with Cody Rhodes being on the show and talking about his own experience at the Royal Rumble. Logan Paul made the big surprise return to the WWE. Everybody thought he was out on the shelf with a torn-up knee. And apparently he is good to go. He is cleared. He said he wasn't cleared until the day of the show. I don't know if I buy that necessarily or why else would he be there ready to roll. But he was number 29, a surprise entrant in the Rumble, which was a good surprise. Look, uh, I wasn't too fond of this year's Rumble as far as like the surprises go and everything. I would have thought Triple H, this being his first year in charge of creative, that he would have maybe... Uh, gone a little further and leaned into like the surprise entrance and telling more stories throughout the show. Um, but I think, you know, once it got towards the end, that final four, especially, and uh, yeah, I don't think Logan was final four or final five, maybe even. I feel like the Rumble, uh, you know, ended pretty strongly. And you saw Logan throw out Seth Rollins, which I think is setting up a uh, WrestleMania match between those two. But it was uh, the spot that stole the show 
other than, of course, the Sami Zayn Roman Reigns angle at the end of the show. But at least for the Rumble, the most memorable moment of the Rumble, the spot that stole the spotlight, if you will, Ricochet, Logan Paul, each on each side of the ring. And they both fucking springboard up and just pa right in the middle of the ring and fall down. Apparently, Logan didn't tuck his chin. Everybody's telling him to tuck his chin. Apparently, he fucked himself up pretty good on the collision. Uh, but don't take my word for it. I can tell you all about this spot. But let's hear it from Logan Paul. What does Logan have to say about his big Royal Rumble appearance? Check out this clip. One thing you have done, and I think the traditionalists, and we'll talk about this later in the episode, are noticing already is you create the moment of the evening. You did it in, in, at Crown Jewel, and you did it again last night at Royal Rumble. You and Ricochet get on opposing ropes, and you spot... Spr- springboard. Springboard, called, yeah. and, and you basically find... a You mark a spot visually, because they said great spot. Everybody online was saying that was a great spot. What does that mean exactly? Like Th- is good, that the whole, no, the whole it's thing? A, yeah, it's a good moment. The yeah. whole moment. Got yeah. it. Sorry. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> just... just ru- <laughs> Run, run, run us through that moment really so quick. So, yeah, the move was we both do what's called a springboard, which is where you jump and put your foot on the top rope and use it as a trampoline bounce. And then <laughs> I can't believe this was possible. And by the way, when, when this move was pitched to me, I was like, is that possible? But genu- uh, generally, when I have that reaction, it's a good thing because if it is, it's incredible. I don't think it's, I don't think it's been done before. The wrestling purists will perhaps come down on me for this one but i don't think it's been done before which is what i like to do i like to chase those moments that are really fresh right. and innovative and create that social media buzz so <laughs> midair trampoline bounce off the top rope and me and ricochet clothesline the shit out of each other at like a thousand miles an hour and then when we landed because we're also falling from it's gotta be seven eight feet right i know higher then I crawled out of the ring. I had some time there uh, to, to, to sit on the edge. Someone gave me prime. Shout out to that person. Uh, was refueled. Got back in the ring and managed to, to finish. But wow, this sport is hard and it hurts. And it's so much fun and I love it. And 60. yesterday was amazing. It's funny hearing people talk about wrestling that don't know anything about wrestling, right? Like uh, his buddy there is just like... Uh, yeah, the spot, they call it a spot because you, you, you got to find your spot. Next marks the spot, and you, you zone in on your spot, and you got to land on your spot, right? That's why they call it a spot. Logan's like, no, it's the it's the move. You, the whole the, the thing is a spot. It's, it's a good spot. Got to do the spot in the Royal Rumble where you, it's a spot. You know, It's the whole angle, the move. Uh, so it's funny to listen to, but uh, Logan loved it, man. He's he seems very excited about being back in the WWE. Look, we talked about this last week with uh, John Morrison on the Insight podcast, kind of taking a dig at Logan Paul, kind of burying him, saying he doesn't think he has the passion for the business. I think John Morrison's an asshole. Uh, clearly, Logan Paul has passion for the business, or he wouldn't be there. He's got the excitement of a little child. You hear him sit and talk about this with his buddies. You know, uh, he loves it. You can tell. He, like I said, he's got the giddy excitement of a little child, just so enamored with the wrestling business and trying to learn and grow and get better. And even throughout his conversation with Cody Rhodes and stuff, 
And, you know, Cody put him over, too. You know, he's he's excited to have him there. And, he look, he recognizes they talked about this, that Logan, whether you like him or not, and I know Logan's got a lot of haters just inherently because of the kind of person that he is, you know. He's a bit divisive. He's a heel in real life. He's a heel. He just doesn't know it. He doesn't like to be called a heel. He doesn't like to think of himself as a heel. He wants to be the uh, baby face. But after, you know, the Japanese suicide forest. Ooh, I don't know if I can say that on YouTube. The su- the the uh, self the self deletion forest over in Japan. And then you have uh you know, the, the NFT gimmick that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, too, with CoffeeZilla. Uh, he's kind of exposing a scam that might be going on with that NFT project Logan's involved in. Then his goddamn pig gets let out in the wild, and there's pig gates with everything going on with that. And Logan just can't seem to catch a break. He's got a lot of haters going on right now. But despite all that, he keeps keeping on. His prime drink got picked up by the UFC as the official sports drink of the UFC. So that's a pretty big, huge deal for Logan as well. And look, man, this wrestling thing, it's its working for him. I, he, he's got a passion for it. He wants to be there. He's excited to be there. And he's goddamn good at it. And he brings in a lot of eyeballs. That spot alone at the Royal Rumble with the midair collision, that's going to get... The Rumble in general gets a lot of eyeballs that most shows don't get. You know, a lot of people will watch the Royal Rumble. You know, people have Royal Rumble parties and stuff. And people are seeing things at the Royal Rumble that are getting exposed to people at the Royal Rumble that they don't normally see. And Logan Paul is a big factor in that. He's the kind of guy that he's going to draw eyeballs from people that don't watch wrestling. You know, that midair collision, that's going to be make a highlight reel. That's going to get out there on the TikToks and the, the, the Instagrams and stuff. And uh, people are going to see it, and people are going to inevitably tune in out of curiosity. Not everybody, but even if it's just a couple people, like Cody Rhodes had said on that interview, too. Uh, he talked about some of the reality shows that he did uh while he was in AEW and how people were kind of criticizing him for that. But his the whole way he was looking at it is it was a way to bring in new viewers to the wrestling. He was doing it for the exposure of wrestling. Because people watch those shows that don't watch wrestling, like Total Divas and Total Bellas. People are familiar with guys like a Brian Danielson, for example, uh, John Laurinaitis even. People know wrestlers and wrestling personalities that have never even watched wrestling. They've, they're familiar with it through those shows. So Logan brings in a lot of eyeballs. And uh, even if a couple of those people, like Cody was, uh, well, let me finish my thought there. Cody had said, even if I bring in six people that are now new wrestling fans because they saw this show and it grabbed their curiosity, that's a win. Consider that a win. So Logan's definitely bringing in new eyeballs and he's just it's an overall plus for the business and he does have a passion for it and he is really fucking good at it and he's a natural heel and i think him and seth rollins are gonna have a fine match i think initially the idea was logan versus cena and then um at least the rumor going around is that just because logan's so green and john cena's not really available doesn't have the availability to kind of go over things in depth so uh, they kind of did the switcheroo where Cena can face Austin Theory now at Mania, which is, I guess, the plan. 
and then Logan can work with Seth because Seth will be available to kind of practice and go over things with Logan more. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, we talked about this last week, too, with Morrison kind of ragging on Logan, that he's got to practice his matches and stuff. And though this is the case, I think, you know, Logan's going to pick this shit up over time. He's starting to learn. He's learning the psychology a little bit more. He's working with all the greats. He's getting the experience in the ring with all these big stars and these big moments. And he's learning from them. And I, I really do think that Logan Paul is a net plus for the business, and it's only great things to go. Highly recommend checking out this episode of Impulsive, not just for the Cody Rhodes interview, which is fantastic, but also just like the, what we were just talking about, to get that uh, perspective of the Royal Rumble, you know, a day in the life of a Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble with his friends, you know, what they're learning, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And uh, what that was like. (laughs) Logan said he got knocked pretty silly doing that move because he didn't tuck his chin. But uh, he'll learn. One of these days, he'll learn. Uh, But let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. The king of all television, Samoa Joe, was on the Sessions podcast with Renee Paquette this week. Having a friendly conversation. Uh, They were talking about all the weapons that Samoa Joe sends John Moxley in the mail. You know, just battle axes and whips and that kind of thing. Uh, Joe actually, he went into detail about this. Said he actually took a whip to to somebody throwing rocks up at his kid's window one time outside. Joe went out to tell him to fuck off, and the guy didn't want to fuck off. So Joe took this whip, this whip gimmick, and just down on his collar. Said a guy made a sound that no human being should ever make. Just, you know, just fun Samoa Joe stuff, you know, those kind of things. But it was in this particular clip right here where Joe was talking about not one, but both of his WWE releases. I actually forgot that he was released twice by the WWE. Uh, But if you remember, he was let go and then re-signed basically instantly. He was let go from the main roster. I think it was re-signed back to NXT. And apparently, according to Joe, this seems to be because of some sort of internal beef going on up at the higher levels. Maybe there was a guy, maybe a crazy old perverted man, hypothetically, sitting at the top that maybe had some sort of beef or vendetta with somebody that may or may not be his son-in-law. Somebody with a big nose, perhaps, hypothetically. Um, And they were using the talent on the roster that were hired or favorites of the big nose guy to kind of get back at them, to play these games with people's lives, people's contracts. At least that's what Joe has to say. Check out this clip. Then, you know, being released from WWE the first time, It was very bizarre. I will say from the outside, because I was already gone at that point, I was like, what the fuck? It just made no sense. I deign to say that that initially there, there, as I understand it, unconfirmed, you know, there's, there is uh, issues between the two upper echelons of management and they were uh, playing out their uh, war with the, uh, the careers and the contracts of the people underneath them. So, you know, uh, after the initial one, I mean, I didn't have much of a chance to grieve because essentially I was hired back within <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I was 
was like, wait, can you do my podcast now? And you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I think I had to tell you, good no, because I don't think I'm going to be back yeah. there. Soon. Uh, <laughs> and then the second time, I just kind of chuckled because I realized it was very much the same situation. But at the same time, I mean, I, I wasn't bitter or mad. I mean, the, the truth of it is, you know, really to, to, and this is to give, you know, I guess WWE some credits was that I was expensive. You know, I, I was, I was expensive to keep around. And uh, if, you know, cutting my contract, if they say that saved the company money, trust me, I, I believe it did. So. So obviously we don't know for sure, right? We don't know, but this is just another piece to that puzzle where we're all kind of getting these little tidbits here and there because publicly nobody's going to admit to any kind of beef going on within the company. You know, Triple H, even as recently as this week, I believe, had made a comment somewhere along the way that it was nice having Vince back in for his insight and his wisdom and yada, yada, yada. You know, how soon we forget that Triple H was on the board that unanimously voted to keep Vince out. And, uh, you know, Samoa Joe just adding more fuel to that fire. Joe's not a liar. He's not a bullshitter. He doesn't know for a fact, but it seemed to him that his release kind of had to do with maybe Vince just, he didn't outright say this. He kept it vague, you know, people at the top or whatever. But clearly, you know, Samoa Joe was a Triple H guy. Triple H hired him in and brought him into NXT and, was the reason that he got called up to the main roster, you know, like he, he kicked ass in NXT, got that call up to the main roster, and then Vince just took a big shit on him, didn't want him around. Maybe this had to do with, you know, we, we've been hearing about this divide between Vince and Triple H since the uh, NXT lost the ratings war, the Wednesday Night Wars, right? Um, and we, you know, we heard that Vince went in and dismantled NXT and turned it to NXT fucking paint splatter and, and, you know, took Triple H off of his responsibilities and got rid of a lot of the guys that Triple H hired. And Samoa Joe is one of those casualties. And at least that's the perspective that Joe had on it. He also said that it could just be, you know, if they, uh, if it is true that the way that they're saying it was just to kind of cut the money, you know, cut make room in the budget, Joe said he was pretty expensive. He didn't name a number, but he said he's a pricey, pricey guy to have around. So he didn't blame anybody or he wasn't mad about it or whatever. And uh, look, all's well that ends well. Joe certainly, you know, landed on his feet after WWE. He got the call to play Sweet Tooth in the Twisted Metal movie that's, uh, I guess, still in production but will be coming out. Joe won't be the voice of that character. He'll be the physical body of it, though. And if you've ever seen Sweet Tooth, you see, you know, Samoa Joe will be a perfect fit for that. And then I guess he's also the voice for King Shark in, uh, I think it's the, I think it's the video game, the Suicide Squad versus Justice League video game that's coming up. Um, but somewhere along the way, Joe played the voice of King Shark as well. Look, Samoa Joe's doing big things. Now he's the two two champ, double champ, the champ champ. He's got the TV title for Ring of Honor, and he's got the TNT title once again after a hellacious battle with uh, Darby Allen. Things are good, and Joe's out. Joe's on a good run in AEW right now too. I feel like he's back to his his prime, his dangerous. You know his. Uh, where he was just a straight-up killer. You know, I feel like when he first got into AEW, he was kind of floundering a little bit, but I think he's really kind of hit his stride now as the king of all television. I absolutely love it. 
So good for Joe, man. All is well that ends well. But it's something to kind of keep in mind, and and it is worth reading into, in my opinion, that uh, you know he was the that he believes he was the casualty of two feuding parties at the top, and this is something that we talked been talking about, you know, this palace intrigue, these warring factions within the system, you know, presumably it's Team Triple H and Stephanie against Team Vince. Stephanie left the company as soon as Vince came back. Clearly something, even though they're putting on a good public face, clearly there's an issue here somewhere, right? And who knows where Nick Khan fits in with all this. He's probably just riding the fence, and he's just on whatever side is going to keep him employed, <laughs> you know? Uh, he did say in his interview that it's best to stay out of the family matters, you know? And this is probably certainly a family issue, but uh, just, hey, just more evidence to the fact that there's something here going on behind the scenes that they're not talking about exactly. So we'll keep keeping an eye on that, but... Uh, Definitely worth going out of your way to check out this episode of The Sessions with Renee Paquette with Samoa Joe. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. So you know how after every big wrestling show you go online and you talk about, oh, that match was the shit or that match was awful. They botched this spot and that sucked or whatever. Everybody's got their opinion, right? Everybody's entitled to their opinions, right or wrong. We all have them. But according to Ric Flair, if he had it his way, we wouldn't be allowed to talk about wrestling. He doesn't think you should have an opinion. Check out this clip. Unless you are in the locker room around the talent, I mean, and 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 actually get a, a feel for what's going on inside that building, I don't think people should be allowed to talk about wrestling. Oh. Now, which part of wrestling you mean in terms of what they like or don't like, or just the critiques of this guy shouldn't do this or this just a critique? Yeah, because they don't know what's going on inside the door. I I saw it for myself the other day, and I said I I told you I said you know what, I'm not the, I'm not the man anymore. Was I the man? Yeah, but it's just changed. Yeah, and I and I read all these guys criticizing people from afar. I mean, come on, what, 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 how can you? And I'm guilty of it too. Then I walked back into it, mm. and I go, "Well, I rethought, as you know, everything I said, because if you're not there feeling the emotion and the respect and, and really understanding the due diligence and the hard work that these kids put in, you really shouldn't be able to crack on them. Right. And all the, everybody, all the other people sitting on the outside, hollering and whining on their fake names, should go fuck themselves. They really should. You know, I mean, just watching them, just picking it apart. Da, 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 da. Come on, guys, give me a break. Make a yeah. living doing something else. I really hate that shit. We hear wrestlers say it all the time, you know. Oh, this fucking Mark, he's never been in the ring before. He's never taken any bumps. He shouldn't be able to have an opinion, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's such a stupid argument. It's based off just being bitter because you got a bad review on your match. That's all it is. Oh, these journalists don't know what it's like to be in the ring. Shut the fuck up. Anybody that's been around the wrestling business long enough, even just watching the matches, they're they're entitled to their opinions. And if you've been around long enough, you know the difference between a good match and a bad match. 
look, somebody fucking misses the top rope spot. You know, they slip off the top rope. They botch it or whatever. That's a botch. We know that. We recognize that. We can see it with our eyes. So don't fucking come out and tell me I can't talk about it now because hey, you've never been in the ring before. Never took a bump. Look, I've taken my fair share of bumps in my day, right? I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a trained professional. But I got my ass bumped around quite a bit in the indie wrestling days. And uh, I'll tell you what. Taking a bump, it teaches you a thing or two. I'll give you that. But it doesn't tell you if a match is good or not right taking a bump doesn't make you a fucking expert on if this match between bianca belair and alexa bliss was a good match or it was a shit match you can tell by watching it with your own two fucking eyes now i'll give you that there's some things now if you want to criticize booking there's some things that maybe if you're not there behind the scenes in the locker room, you just don't know the full story, right? Maybe somebody's out hurt. Maybe somebody's got to take the week off. Maybe somebody's sick. Maybe they're, you know, they got to rework something because of this, that, or the other thing. Something fell through, so they got to change plans. Shit happens. So you can critique booking decisions still. There's nothing wrong with that. But take them with a grain of salt because you never know what's going on behind the scenes, right? Uh, we'll talk about this later, but there's that hot potato thing with the TNT title. Well, one thing, Wardlow was out injured, and they don't necessarily announce that on TV. They just so show Samoa Joe beat down Wardlow, and they're like, why are they burying Wardlow? Well, he was hurt, you know? And they should say stuff like that, but they don't always, and it's not necessarily always our business. These are other people's health problems, right? So if they're written off the show for a little bit, fine, so be it, you know, understandable. So we got to take our opinions with a grain of salt when it comes to booking decisions because we don't know the full story. But we can all pretty much tell if a match is a good match or not. Now, wrestling is art and it's subjective. Some people are going to love a good, like uh, Timothy Thatcher and, and Brian Danielson had a fucking epic wrestling match. But some people don't like that shit. People like the, the Gaga and stuff. You know, they'd rather watch Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville wrestling mouse traps than Timothy Thatcher and Brian Danielson grappling each other and trying to twist each other in the pretzels. All of it's wrestling, though, and at the end of the day, we all have our opinions, and we're all entitled to our opinions, and I just hate this idea that you have to be a wrestler to have an opinion on wrestling. It's bullshit, and I know that there's indie wrestlers out there that'll, you know, maybe comment or something and be like, well, you know, actually... And that's your opinion and stuff. But look, we can all watch a match and see that that match was dog shit. And we don't need to be trained professionals to understand that. Um, you know, I get where you're coming from. You're trained. You know the in and outs. You know the nuances of things. But a bad match is a bad match. And look, you're doing the match for the fans. The fans don't have to like everything you're doing. That's the other thing I hate, too. Sorrell did that the other day with the, you know, oh, people are just ragging on me to troll me. No, it's because your match sucked. Can't your match just suck? Can't you just be not that great? Or does it have to be that the people criticizing you, oh, they're just trolls. They don't know what they're talking about. They've never been in the ring before. What do they know? A bunch of marks. Bullshit. It's goddamn bullshit. I'll tell you what. Getting super kicked in the face or getting fucking put through a table in my day, stabbed in the head with a fork. I'll tell you, it doesn't make me any better of a critiquer of a wrestling match than I would be had I not been stabbed in the head with a fork. So, um, 
you know, I just, it's a bullshit argument. But, hey, look, I'm open to your thoughts. I'm open to your opinions. I just, and I hate to see it from Ric Flair, too, because Ric Flair, you know, I gave him credit last week for burying the hatchet with Becky Lynch. And, you know, he seems to have been pretty bitter lately and maybe made some amends back at Raw 30. But he's still out there taking his shots and being just an arrogant fuck. You know, he was ripping on Don Callis on this show, too. Um, to be the man, his podcast, Conrad Thompson. And it was funny, you know, Conrad said something about Don Callis and, and Ric Flair's like, who's Dan Callis? How many championships did he win? Uh, it's funny, but it's like, why do you, why? Why do you got to have that attitude about people? You know what I mean? And to have that attitude that fans shouldn't be able to talk about, you know, he literally said for like these wrestling journalists and stuff, find something better to do with your time. Find something else to do to make a living. You know? Like, these fucking wrestling journalists. Look, Meltzer, Wade Keller, these guys have been around for 40 years. They've been around since the 80s. You can't tell me they don't know the difference between a good wrestling match and a bad wrestling match. All of you know. You watch a fucking bad match, you know it's a bad match. It's just a bad take by Ric Flair. And it's, it's in my opinion, it's just being salty about bad reviews that you get or that your peers get. And then you're like, well, who's this asshole? You, why does he get to have an opinion? He never took a bump. It's stupid. It's elitist. In fact, it's gatekeeping in a lot of ways, you know, to sit there and say, well, nobody should ever have an opinion on pro wrestling unless they're in the locker room or they've taken bumps or had a match or whatever the fuck. Uh, it's gatekeeping, to be honest with you. And it, it's not fair. Fans, fans can be smart to the business, too. You don't have to be a pro. To, to know a thing or two about the business, especially in this day and age. You know, a hardcore fan is well-studied. They've watched hundreds, if not thousands, of matches by now and uh, listened to lots of insider things, and they just know the difference between crap and, and a classic. And the nature boy sitting there fucking reading me the riot act for having a goddamn opinion online is just, it's low it's lowbrow. And uh, it's kind of dickish. So that's my two cents on it, though. And, uh, the, you know, I'm going to critique a Ric Flair match just to spite the motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Should we not have opinions on matches? Should Meltzer and Keller and Sean Ross Sapp? Should all the, well, Sean Ross Sapp was a wrestler. So technically he gets an opinion. But you get my point. Should these guys not be able to write about wrestling and rate things and have critiques because they never took a bump? Is it, is it that cut and dry, or do you think we're all a little bit smarter than that and we deserve a little bit more credit than what we're being given? I don't know. Leave your thoughts down in the comments below, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Don't critique this. You cannot critique this episode. You can't critique this clip unless you're a YouTuber. Okay, I don't want to see any critiques. If you're not a fucking YouTuber, if you've never done it before, then you have no business talking about it in my comments. Well, the podcast beef continues between the road dog Brian James and Dax the Axe Harwood of FTR as they continue to exchange jabs back and forth on their shows. I'm starting to think this is a work, to be honest with you. This is the second time... That a Conrad Thompson podcast, you know, he's got his little network of podcasts and such. 
You know, the first one was Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair beefing with each other over their shows back and forth. And now we have Dax Harwood going at it with Road Dog. This has been going on for a while. This stems back to uh, comments that Dax Harwood had made about Raw 25. I think this was in a separate interview. I don't even think this was on the FTR podcast as of yet. Uh, might have been before that, but Dax had made comments uh, about how FTR was salty about the Raw 25 thing where they basically just got treated like jobbers and they all got the shit kicked out of them by DX and then they had to take all of DX's finishers and then uh, backstage apparently nobody thanked FTR for doing them, you know, doing the honors for them or anything like that. And then they weren't even used the next day or on the next show or anything. They were just straight up job guys. And apparently they took that to heart and they got really upset about that, took it personal and uh, had complained about it on some kind of interview or something somewhere along the way. I don't think it was on FTR quite yet. And then Road Dog replied on his show, oh, you didn't know? And he had basically said like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't thank you for doing your fucking job. But, you know, as Dax had said, that that is the time-honored tradition. You know, you thank even the jobbers after the match. Thank you for letting us do that. And X-Pac had admitted as much. Even though X-Pac had a fun little tweet this week <laughs> after Raw 30, he said the only thing that sucked about it, you know, working with Imperium or whatever, that segment that they had on Raw 30, the only thing that sucked about it was we didn't get to hit all of them with our finishers. <laughs> Xbox the shit. I love Xbox. He's so fun. He's a good dude. Um, but you know, he had spoken out about that and he had said, Yeah, you know, I should have I should have thanked them. I agree with Dax. I do I agree with Cash. I get where they're coming from. But Road Dog, not as much. And this became a fucking punchline on Road Dog's show week after week after week. And then Dax responded, and then that fucking Road Dog responded to that again. And then now we got Cassio Kid is fucking Road Dog's host and Conrad's best friend. He's chiming in with it too and giving his two cents. And he's out there stirring the pot, poking the bear, if you will. They just keep bringing it up. Check out this clip from Oh, You Didn't Know? All right, here we go. Do you think these guys took things a little too seriously? 100%. Okay. They took it personally. And 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 so I and look and I said this on the past podcast. I, I apologize for not thanking you guys. And I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But I also mean uh from the bottom of my heart if if that if it hurts you so bad to do that that you went back and punched a wall and cried, like I just man, I just feel like you need to reevaluate what's going on in your world. And it seems to me that you've taken everything that happened around you extremely personal. And I don't think any of the people around you meant it in any way, shape, or form like you think they meant it and and how and, and meant it how you took it. And you've taken this and you've blown it up in your head for five years now. And and you you've made it something when it was nothing. And it still is nothing. How did Imperium react to the creative between DX themselves, Seth, and the Street Profits? Somehow, I doubt it was met with not nearly as much devastation <laughs> as some other people felt in a similar situation. Uh, we well, talked about it on the exclusive. 
Uh, yeah. He popped. Gunter popped yeah, he a popped. little bit. But 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 in in their in in defense of of who, who we were vaguely referencing there, <laughs> we were not so vaguely referencing there. Look, Imperium didn't have to take everybody's finish. Do and, you know uh, if Kaiser punched holes in the wall or was he good? I'm not sure if he did. You haven't heard any reports yet. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I've heard reports, but. So it's no wonder that FTR just continues to get pissy about this. And Dax had enough. He responded on his show. And, you know, he had said, I'm not, I wasn't going to talk about this anymore. I want to be done with it. I don't want to keep bringing it up every week. <clears throat> but he had something to say. He was pissed. Check out this clip. You know, I listened to this 15-minute tirade that he had to say about me. And I, I just want to let it go. But I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. Um, I'm here let bygones be bygones i just wanted to get my story out there because uh you know everyone can have their own perception but now i have this platform thanks to you thanks to connor thanks to everyone that i can tell my story at least part of my story right right and you know for him to say that and i'm gonna get myself really worked up and i'm gonna try not to but for him to say uh that if i came to the back and i was so angry that i cried and punched the wall then I need to get my priorities straight. No, uh, I think I'm the last person in this wrestling world that needs to get their priorities straight. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I do take it very seriously because if I don't take it seriously with the stature that I am and, and, and what I have to offer, then I'll just fall to the wayside and, and I'll just be another guy in the crowd. And I don't want that. I never want that uh, because ultimately the bigger star you are, the more money you can make and the more money I can give to my wife and daughter to take care of themselves. So I apologize, I guess, for being slightly upset that we were put out there in a two minute match to get beat clean and then to follow up, to get beat by all these guys who weren't going to be on tv the very next week we were and there was no follow-up plan for us and i know there was no follow-up plan because me and dan went and talked to hunter and he said i really don't think there's anything next week for you guys i'm not sure though you can talk to vince so of course i'm going to be upset because that's affecting my bottom dollar you know maybe dax does take things a little too seriously from time to time you know he should be able to laugh at himself a little and be able to let things go a little bit um but I get it too, you know, wrestling, it's a, it's his career. It's his career on the line. You're treating us like a bunch of jobbers and we're out there taking bumps for you guys and you don't even come back and thank us or anything. We're just cast aside like we're fucking useless jobbers. And, and Dax had said ever since day one, since the first time he met the Road Dog or since Road Dog seen him, Road Dog had judged him, had thought less of him, didn't see much in him. And he's held on to that judgment the whole time. And you can see it. It comes out in Road Dogg's fucking podcast when he takes these jabs at, at Dax. <clears throat> it's, uh, and, and look, for Road Dogg, you know, he often talks about being such a man of God. And he even said it on this very same show or on his last show, at least, or whatever. I don't know. I listened to a bunch of shit trying to find clips uh, from Road Dogg to pull for this. But... You know, Road Dogg had talked about, you know, I like to be able to lay my head down at night. And I know, you know, if I can sleep easy at night, knowing that, you know, I led a godly life, don't have anything to worry about, you know, did, did led the best life that I could today, you know, was the best version of me. But yet out of the other side of his mouth, takes jabs at Bret Hart, takes jabs at CM Punk, takes jabs at Dax Harwood. 
and FTR. He does it on almost every episode. Matter of fact, it was all three of them on the same episode. He talks shit about Brett again on the show. He talks shit about CM Punk again on the show. But yet he's a man of God just trying to live his happy, peaceful life while we're talking shit about all these people and burying them on our show. You know what I mean? And this is a common trope with everybody in DX. You know, maybe not so much Waltman. Waltman's a really good dude. You know, he's got a good heart and a good head on his shoulders. But Triple H, very famous for this. Shawn Michaels, famous for this as well. You know, they like to take the piss out of guys. Even a Vince McMahon, you know. That's probably why he loved DX so much. Is These are the kind of guys that it's a bully mentality. They love to, when guys take themselves too seriously, it was why, like, uh, JR was always targeted, too, because he's another guy that takes everything so seriously all the time that they love to just make fun of him and poke, poke at him and take jabs at him and just take them down a notch, take the piss out of him because it's funny because they're so uptight that it's a joke to them to fucking poke them a little bit and watch them react, you know? And that's exactly what Road Dog is doing. Make no mistake here. He's not defending himself. He's not setting the record straight. You know, that may be the first time. But when you just keep bringing it up week after week, and Casio Kid's doing the same thing. And, and Dax had said, you know, I think Casio Kid's barking up the wrong tree. This motherfucker. <clears throat> and Matt Coon kind of jumped in. And he's like, look, I know Casio. He's Conrad's best friend. He's a good friend of mine. I don't think he meant anything by it, but, you know, you listen to that clip, and I think Cassio put a tweet out, too. Cassio's stirring the pot on this one, so he's not blameless in this whole mess either. You know, it could be a work. Maybe they're all just trying to, you know, get each other to listen to each other's shows. I don't fucking know. Um, but it seems like Road Dog just kind of doesn't like FTR. And doesn't like CM Punk and doesn't like Bret Hart and finds every chance that he gets to take little pokes at him, take the piss out of him a little bit. He's a man of God, don't you know? He's a man of God. One of the godliest things you can do is continuously take jabs at people and insult them and make fun of them and talk down about them and bury them. That's a very godly thing to do, so... That's what Road Dog keeps doing. And I, you know, I don't blame Dax for getting pissed about it at this point. And I'll tell you, Road Dog's an executive at WWE. He sits at that fucking table with Triple H, man. He's right up there. And there's just, and even, you know, Dax in the same uh, podcast talked about even in NXT, even though most people think everybody from NXT is Triple H's boys or whatever. Dax said not so much. Uh, they were never really Triple H's guys. Obviously, they were Triple H hires, and Triple H, I'm sure, saw potential in them, liked them enough to hire them and put them in a spotlight, uh, but he, they were never Triple H guys. So I think all these people speculating that you know FTR is going to return to the WWE after their contracts up with AEW because of the Young Bucks and Tony Khan's not using them right or whatever. Okay, what are they going to do? Go back to fucking WWE where Vince hates them, doesn't like tag teams in general. Will probably try to split them up if he's around. Triple H was never really their guy, so it's not like they're going to find any kind of solace in him. And fucking Road Dog's an executive over there. He's going to be working behind the scenes, producing matches or fucking whatever the fuck he does back there. He's a higher up guy. He's in Triple H's inner circle. You know, I think he's going to just suddenly be like, oh, yeah, welcome in and let's fucking let's all create magic. together." No, 
No. They get brought in. They're going to get treated like shit just like they were the first time. You know, maybe they'll make good money. Maybe they'll get a nice little initial push, but they're going to end up just getting buried. So I don't I, I really don't think at this point from everything that's been said and that's come out and just how people seem to like FTR there. I don't I don't see it happening, but I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Um, but this beef continues. Hopefully this is the end of it. Dax said this is the last he wants to talk about it or address it. Um, but I don't think this is anything Road Dog is going to let up on anytime soon. And Road Dog is probably going to rebut this. And just he's always got to come back for something, right? He's always got to reply. He's always got to get that last word. And he's a man of God, don't you know? He's always got to get that jab in, though, doesn't he? Always got to take somebody down a notch. Just a man of God. I don't like the road dog. I don't like that attitude. I don't like that bullying shit. It's funny. It can be funny from time to time. I'm not saying I won't laugh at it all the time. But I just think that mentality of trying to take people down for your own personal amusement. You know, it's one thing to... It's one thing if you're asked a question, you know, some fan writes in and like, hey, what do you think FTR? You don't got to lie and be like, oh, yeah, I think they're great. You know, if you don't like them, you can be like, ah, you know, I think they take themselves too seriously. I don't see anything so special about them. And I think that's, you know, how the Bret Hart thing came about was a question like that. But then it just becomes like a gimmick on the show where it's like, oh, it's your weekly let's rip on Dax Harwood segment. Let's rip on Bret Hart. Let's rip on CM Punk. They just keep it going. Because it's funny to them. That's how they get themselves off. It's amusing. And if you can tell, I think it's fucking ridiculous. And I don't like that kind of attitude. But maybe you do. I don't know. You think it's funny? Does FTR take themselves too seriously? Do they need to be taken down a peg? Are they not all that? Or, uh, you know, is Road Dog just being a dick? Is he being a bully? Is he out of line when he continues to poke the bear like this? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. We'll talk as Jericho this week paid tribute to Jay Briscoe after passing away a couple weeks ago. Jericho had a bunch of different people that have been around Jay, worked with Jay on his show to just come in and talk about their favorite memories of Jay Briscoe. A lot of these were fond memories and they're just kind of their favorite times that they've spent with Jay Briscoe. A lot of fun stories coming out of this. One of the more common things that everybody was talking about, you know, he had Adam Cole on, he had the Young Bucks on, he had Jay Lethal on. Uh, lots of different people that have worked around the Briscoes that are in AEW now. And uh, one of the most common things was that these guys were sweethearts backstage, nicest guys you'll ever meet. But people were terrified of them out in the ring, you know. Without fail, every single person that commented on the on the Briscoes talked about how intimidating they were and how scary they were to face in the ring. But one of the more lighthearted uh, stories that were told uh, on this episode came from Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was talking about a time where uh, apparently it was a pretty common thing as well that was talked about by a few different people that the Briscoes like to fight each other after they had a few beers. You know, they go out and get a little drunk after a show, and from time to time they just start getting into fisticuffs, as brothers do. I'm an only child, so I don't know exactly, but, uh, you know, from what I understand, brothers will fight from time to time. It's just a thing that happens, and the Briscoes were not immune to it. 
And a couple people had said, you know, they'll go in and they'll just throw full on just fists at each other. And uh, Samoa Joe was on the episode talking about this. And he said, you know, um, we used to go in and try to break it up right away. But we kind of found out real quick that if you try to break the briscoes up right away, you're just going to get hurt in the process. <laughs> you got to wait for them to get a couple fists in, you know, let, let them get a little bit of, of it out of their system. Let them get a little tired. Then you can go in and separate them. And uh, in one of these situations that happened, I believe Joe said this was overseas in England, where hotel, they got into a fight at the hotel, and this caused police to show up like the equivalent of the British SWAT team or whatever showed up. And Joe took it upon himself to kind of be the leader of the situation. And he's like, all right, we're going to take Mark, and we're going to go over here with Mark. And he had Colt. He's like, Colt, can you please bring Jay to your hotel room for the night? Just separate him. Get him out of here. And so Colt did. And <laughs> apparently Jay was not done being a complete drunk that night. As, uh, <laughs> as the story goes, Jay might have woken up and taken a piss somewhere he wasn't supposed to. Check out this clip. Hear the scream down the hall, son of a bitch, run! <laughs> Anger, and I'm like, oh my, that's kicking off again. So I run down the hallway, and and uh, Cabana is livid. Uh, and he should be, because uh, at some point in the night, Jay w- woke up and uh, essentially filled up his bag <laughs> with, uh, with urine in the closet, mistaking it for the walk into the bathroom. So he had all his merchandise in there, and his gear, and, his, and it was rough. And Cabana's not a very... Uh, a violent person, yeah. you know, or not, you know, he's they get angry. Yeah. Yeah. Very, it takes a lot, you know, and you know, credit to him, but he was probably the angriest I've seen him in life. Jay to his credit is completely, he was that night. He was like apologizing. He was on his knees. Go ahead and punch me, man. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. You know, and he genuinely felt bad. And, uh, but you know, command is pretty enraged. So we do the trial. It's hilarious and, and fun. And, and, uh, you know, Jay gets it. He's having a good time and we're, you know, you know, we're, we're trying to think up something that will uh, somehow equate Some to what, sentence. Yeah, yeah, which is really rough because normally it, it is something like, oh, get us all beer. We'll feel better about it. And <laughs> so I go, hey, man, what socks you wrestling in tonight? And Jay goes, oh, you know, he gives it to him. And I threw him in a shower and I said, uh, all right, well, if anybody wants to take a leak on these, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> I said, Jay, man, you know. Maybe you should wrestle him tonight. He was like, oh, man, come on, man. I go, listen, I, you don't got to do what I, I mean. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to make a commander feel better, you know, this is a hell of a messed up sacrifice you can make in his honor. To his credit, he deep slaps him on, dog. This story made me laugh my ass off. Everything about it is great, and it can only happen in the world of professional wrestling. Everything about it, from just getting in a fight in the hotel, having the SWAT team show up, fucking separated, and then fucking pissing in somebody's gear bag, all over Colt's merch and his his ring gear, and just everything ruined. And uh, Colt was ready to fight Jay Briscoe, which by all accounts would have probably been a bad idea. 
because everybody's fairly intimidated by Jay. But Jay was willing to let him. Jay, Jay was apologetic. Come on, man. You can punch me in the face as hard as you want. Go for it. Colt didn't, but uh, they did do the wrestler's court, which was also interesting to me. I didn't know that this was something that was done in like a Ring of Honor, for example. I thought this was only like a WWE thing, but apparently the wrestler's court carried over to Ring of Honor, and Samoa Joe was the judge, you know, the undertaker of Ring of Honor, which makes complete sense. And it was his job to hand out that punishment. I just love that. And then that J, they almost said it as a rib, like as a J, like, ah, we, we didn't really expect you to do it. But Jay did. He's like, all right, I'll wear the motherfuckers, you know, and everybody pissed on his socks and he wore them in the ring. And he's going to get a foot fungus from that for sure. You know, that's, that's not good for the feet. Um, but that's a, it's just hilarious. Like it's the only, can only happen in wrestling, right? You're not going to hear about that on the set of a movie or out of fucking football locker room or anything like that. But in professional wrestling, especially on the indie level, this is just classic, just a classic wrestling story. And, uh, there was lots of great stories like that on this episode. Uh, maybe not quite like that. That one particularly stood out and that's why I wanted to share it with you, but it was good kind of going back and listening to those fun memories of Jay Briscoe. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of putting it behind us. We're beginning the, you know, the, we're all kind of moving on and everybody's trying to get past it. And these wrestlers are trying to carry on with their lives past you know this was a big big loss for a lot of those guys that worked with jay and uh, it was good to hear everybody kind of get it out and talk about some of the lighter side of things and the funner stories of jay briscoe so highly recommend you check out that full episode um but if nothing else check out that clip and uh i'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next Speaking of Samoa Joe, he has regained the AEW TNT Championship this week in a hellacious battle with Darby Allin. Holy shit, what a match. What a brutal, violent match. That hoodie with the thumbtacks on it. God damn. Such a good spot, though. I love that shit. He couldn't quite figure it out at the end with the coffin drop, but... For him to come out at the beginning and like run and dive into Joe and stuff, just such great shit. Um, well executed, brutal, violent match. I'm curious to see what like a Jim Cornette has to say about that. Because I know he loves him some Samoa Joe. Darby, not so much. Garbage matches, not so much. But I thought this was great. A very brutal, violent match. Joe's on a run. He is having a fucking great career resurgence here. And uh, but this was not without controversy. You know, I don't often talk about wrestling stuff here on the show. Um, this one made quite a quite a bit of news this week. A lot of people commenting on the title flip flopping back and forth. Everybody's got their opinion on this TNT title switching back and forth like this. And you know, everybody's saying, oh, this is, this is burying the title. It's burying Darby. It's burying Joe. It's poor booking. It's bad use of whatever the fuck. Everybody's got their opinion about it, including Bully Ray on the Busted Open podcast this week. Had his own perspective on the title flipping back and forth. Check out this clip, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts on the back end. Uh, are you surprised uh, that Joe you know, was able to get back that TNT championship last night. No. And I like, 
I like when one championship constantly gets flip-flopped. And if you're going to flip-flop a championship, the television title is the one to do it with. You always have that aspect of anything can happen on any show in any city. People love when they get a title change. And since he has two uh, television titles, the AEW and the Ring of Honor, it gives them the option where he can drop it at any time and get them back at any time. And every time he gets it back, he claims himself to be the king of TV. And I love and I love that T- king of TV moniker. Um, so yeah, flip-flopping that belt, it, I'd like to see it happen often. I think I don't think it hurts anybody. Now, I certainly don't think it should be flip-flopped every week or as often as Bully might be advocating for here. But a little back and forth now and then, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I see all these people online talking about how it's oh, bad booking and burial. I think a lot of people listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of interviews, and they think they know things, right? A little bit of information can be dangerous. You know, you hear that it can be bad to flip the title back and forth. So when you see it happen, you're like, oh, yeah, that's horrible. But you don't actually give it any fucking thought. Because, for example, if this was real life, like this shit happens in UFC quite a bit. Titles will flip back and forth. Because in real life, if you have two evenly matched people, and I'm not saying Darby and Joe are necessarily equals, but in their own way, you know, like their video game stats or whatever would probably be similar, but in their own ways, right? Joe's a big, vicious, powerful, dangerous guy, but Darby's fast and high impact and caution to the wind, balls to the wall. Like, you know, they they can trade wins back and forth, and it's not going to hurt either one of them. And it's not going to hurt the title. Sometimes you need that. Another thing is you can't have every single title reign be a big fucking long two, three, four, five month run. I think it should be the standard, but it shouldn't always be because you don't want people to get used to just knowing that the title is not going to change hands. That then that creates that then there's no suspension of disbelief. You can't buy in to, you know, if you know that, oh, okay, Darby just won the title, so Joe is not going to beat him in the rematch. That's not going to happen. So you don't fully invest in it. It's like, okay, I'll watch this. This will probably be a good match, but we all know Darby's going to win because they don't flip the title back and forth. This keeps you on your toes. It keeps you guessing. A little bit of this lets you know that a title can change hands at any time. That's why they used to flip the tag titles or whatever on on house shows every once in a while. Because people started to catch on that, oh, titles don't change hands on house shows. So we don't really need to pay attention to house shows. It only happens on big pay-per-views and that kind of thing. Hell, fucking Kevin Nash beat Bob Backlund for the WWF title at a house show. So they want to create the perception that anything can happen and that you can't just expect that it won't. That if you have a championship match, you could potentially see a title change. And for the people that are in attendance, that are watching live, it's a little bit different than the people watching week to week, right? People want to see a title change happen in their town, on TV. They want to see something historically significant happen on their on their show that they're at physically um you know it's kind of it's 
it's people, you know, if you watch it every single week, it can get played out, but you certainly want to see it happen live. Now, I don't think it should be overused. I do think it is a slippery slope, and I do think it can devalue a title or devalue, you know, the people fighting over it if it just keeps flipping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But a little bit of hot potato doesn't hurt anything. And I think some of you fuckers get a little bit too much information, but don't actually apply any kind of psychology to it. You know what I mean? Uh, let the title flip back and forth a little bit sometimes. And especially like a Joe and a Darby. That's a great little rivalry going on. And look, Darby's never meant to hold the title anyway. He's a chaser. He's not a champion. He's not a dominant, I'm going to reign over over you. You know what I mean? He's He is the kind of guy that he's great at fighting from underneath. He's the underdog. He's going to scratch and claw his way to the top. He might win the title, but he's not going to hold it because somebody's bigger and better is going to beat him down and he's got to fight from underneath again. He's a chaser. He's not a holder. And that's that's fine. That's his role. Not everybody's cut out to just be the Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? Um, and not every title should flip-flop. I think, you know, it's, it's more acceptable with the undercard titles. You know, like when Cody inevitably inevitably beats Roman and ends his big long reign. I don't expect Cody to drop it back to Roman at the next pay-per-view or fucking lose it to, you know, whoever the fuck else he's lined up to face next. Rollins, who knows? Um, I would expect Cody to hold that title and have a nice little run with it. But it doesn't need to happen all the time. And I think people, like I said, you just get a little bit of information and, and you don't really think it through. Just, oh, flip-flop titles is bad. No, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It happened in the. It happened all the time, too, in the 90s. You know, The Rock flip-flops the title with, like, Mankind. And, and you know, it just it happens. So I think people are overthinking it. I think, and, and the re only reason I bring it up is because this is, I'm sure you've seen it. It's all over the internet. Everybody's critiquing this title change. It's like, God damn it. Plus, you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. Like if a Wardlow was injured, that could have threw a wrench into things and caused them to change their plans and escalate things or do this little flip-floppy thing in the meantime to hold over. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Just relax your fucking tits. Everything is going to be okay. Joe's just fine. He's going to be just fine. He's the king of television, for fuck's sake. He's fine. He's in a good spot. Darby, he's certainly not buried in the TNT title. Is just as valuable as it always was. So it's much to do about nothing, in my opinion. But it's worth mentioning because everybody's throwing a goddamn fit about it online for no reason at all. But maybe I'm wrong. That's just my opinion. Everybody's got one. Leave yours down in the comments below if you think I'm wrong or if you have another point of view on it. And why you think every title reign should be a long-lasting reign and that you don't like the flip-flops. Um, but... And you're just wrong. That's it. That's all I got for you this week. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Shorter episode than the last couple, but the last couple were big news weeks. We had the Jay Briscoe uh, passing away, and then last week was, fuck, Bray Wyatt, Sami Zayn, the goddamn network with, with Briscoe and fucking Seth Rollins. and Sienna. Last week was a crazy heavy week, so last couple episodes have been big. Look, this was a slower news week. Wasn't a lot going on. Cody Rhodes out doing a bunch of interviews. Beyond that, there really wasn't anything too juicy to sink my teeth into this week, but uh, you know, I still had to deliver the show. 
and and bring you the good tidbits that were floating around out there. But I got to tell you, it was kind of a slow week with the podcast, and that happens from time to time. But uh, nonetheless, another episode in the can. Episode 69, by the way, giggity. Uh, (laughs) So next week we are on our way to episode 70. 70 episodes of this goddamn show. Wow, I can't believe it. We're going to hit 100 probably this year, it looks like. And uh, also on my way to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. I know it sounds small. You're used to seeing people with thousands, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, whatever. Look, I'm small potatoes. Help me get there. I need you guys. Show out. Come subscribe to the channel. Help a brother out if you're not subscribed on YouTube. Come subscribe, hit that button, stay posted every single time I post a video. Follow me, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter, at Seth Grimes Media. If you're on any of those, that's where I'm posting my shorts and my reels and the TikToks. I'm also just posting random musings. Anytime I have an opinion about something, a random thought, throw it on the fucking Twitter. Throw it on the Facebook. So come check me out over there. That's it. That's all I got for you. Finally made it through this show for a whole second time. This is the first time I've ever done this, actually. And its I almost didn't do the show. Uh, but then I just started feeling bad. I'm like, I can't skip a show. You know, because you get pissed when you delete it. You're like, well, fuck this then. I'm not going to. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it again. But, you know, I got it. You can't leave you guys hanging, you know. I took a couple weeks off during Christmas. I don't want to get in the habit where I'm just doing shows once every once in a while and then not other times. And, you know, I got to be consistent. Consistency for you guys as I keep trying to grow because I'm going to grow to the point where I can monetize this bitch and just keep on trucking, keep moving forward, keep bringing you all the news, the highlights, the pro wrestling world, and shoot interviews and podcasts. I appreciate you guys watching. I love you so much. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for uh, permitting me to do a little bit of a shorter show than I had the last couple of weeks. And uh, look, man, second time around, um, just thank you guys for hanging out with me. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast.